It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Who they think you're going to beat them bangles? It is the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. You'll notice that the intro music is back. We had our moment of silence for the Bengals last night after a devastating and embarrassing loss in Pittsburgh when the Bengals looked like the same old team we've seen in the last two years under Marvin Lewis with a deteriorating offensive line and a failing linebacker core. Some of you have likened this to the 90s already. Four games into the season, back when the Bengals went through head coaches like candy. But it's on to week five, and the Arizona Cardinals are coming to Paul Brown Stadium for the Bengals' second home game of the season. As he's done the last few weeks, Joe will team up with Alex and Bo of the Locked On Cardinals podcast for Crossover Wednesday as we transition out of a hellacious week four into a week five that may be a little bit more hopeful. But I'm not ready to move on from what we've seen through four weeks yet. Things are looking bleak in Cincinnati as the Bengals look for answers. Statistically, amongst the worst teams in football, if not the worst team in football by some counts, if not for Miami, the Bengals would easily be the worst team this season. It just so happens that Miami is one of the worst teams of all time. Just by the numbers, the Bengals are fourth last in yards per play on offense, sixth worst in turnover percentage on offense, and third worst in scoring drives on offense. They're giving up the fifth most yards in the NFL per play on defense. They're the second worst team graded by Pro Football Focus overall, and just put up one of the worst performances by an offensive line in Pro Football Focus history. If you prefer the smart guys over at Football Outsiders, they've got a 14.6% chance at the top pick through four weeks. Just behind Miami, who's way ahead at a staggering 67% right now. Football Outsider System says that Miami is still twice as bad as the Bengals. I don't know if that accounts for the fact that John Ross just got hurt and that this offensive line seems to be continuing to deteriorate, but Football Outsider seems to still think, maybe it's week one, maybe it's week three, that the Bengals are a little bit better, or a lot better, than Miami, one of the worst teams of all time. That doesn't excuse the offensive line last night, however. Pro Football Focus says that this was one of the five worst offensive line performances they have ever graded. And that goes back to 2006. That's 13 years of games. 
The offensive line collectively earned a pass blocking grade of 21.4. That's out of 100. 60 is about average. The highest pass blocking grade for any Cincinnati Bengals offensive lineman in this game was 54. As they say from top to bottom, the unit was flat out awful. Bobby Hart had a 24.1 pass block grade. He gave up seven pressures. According to PFF, that's a 15.2% pressure rate. Free agent acquisition John Miller, who came over from Buffalo, who had a great game two weeks ago, had a 30.1 pass block grade. Rookie Mike Jordan, who somehow beat Billy Price out for the job at left guard, 15.1 pass block grade. He was eventually pulled from the game, and then Billy Price came in and promptly let his head drop, lost his block, and gave up a very quick sack. The entire offensive line was absolutely atrocious in pass blocking. And this has been an ongoing problem that started in 2017. Ben Baby tweeted last night during the game that through seven sacks last night, not even counting the eighth, Andy Dalton has been sacked 18 times this season. That's 19, including the eighth sack that came later. That's his most through four games in his career. The previous high was 14, and that was in 2017. Eight sacks in a game obviously blows that way out of proportion, but but then you remember that this team went out and signed Bobby Hart to a three-year extension. They gave him a one-year prove-it deal coming out of New York as a guy who was still young, maybe had something in the tank, and he was bad. Yeah, let's give him three years for $7 million. Then they go out and acquire John Miller as an unrestricted free agent. We thought this would be an upgrade at right guard. We thought that it would bring some steadiness to the position, but instead... He's been a roller coaster with a great game surrounded by two awful games and one game that was fine. It was average. It was right in the middle. Meanwhile, at center, Trey Hopkins, since his excellent week one, has slowly been deteriorating as the play around him suffers. Billy Price goes out there, has an average week three. Mike Jordan comes in and has one of the worst games I've ever seen played from a left guard in week four against Pittsburgh. At left tackle, Andre Smith should never be asked to play left tackle in the first place. This is the only one that you can begin to excuse because of the amount of injuries they've had at the position, not to mention Clint Bowling's retirement. Regardless, they don't have an answer at either tackle position, at either guard position, judging from the last two weeks, especially if Billy Price isn't going to be able to beat out Michael Jordan in practice. And then you've got a guy who is probably a little bit better than average at center, especially if you surround him with some decent talent. So you get Jonah Williams coming back next year, and then you need to replace two guards and a right tackle. That's all in one year. We haven't even really talked about the linebackers yet. Leroy Reynolds got six snaps again for some reason. Preston Brown was slow all week. He could never get to the spot. He also missed a tackle. Nick Vigil adds another two missed tackles to his season total. He's at eight now. There are just a lot of glaring needs on this team, and some of their best players, and we've talked about this, are getting old. It's bleak right now in Cincinnati, and there's badly a need to be realistic and reset and get this team going in the right direction again, recognizing that this is going to take some time and needs a good plan. So the Bengals are 0-4. They're hosting the Arizona Cardinals, another team without a win, in just their second home game of the season. They still have seven home games to sell tickets for after starting the season 0-4, Regardless, in just a minute, Joe will preview the game with the Locked On Arizona duo, and we'll start to move on 
we'll start to think about week five and maybe the Bengals will get a win and then we can talk about whether or not that's a good or bad thing in the long term. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. My bookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. It's Wednesday, so it's a Locked On Podcast Network crossover Wednesday. Alex Clancy, Bob Brock from Locked On Cardinals, and Joe Goodberry from Locked On Cincinnati Bengals. Joe, you feel our pain. We feel yours. Let's just sit and marinate in how <laughs> much of an atrocity it's been through eight collective games for both teams. Can Are you okay with that? Yeah, actually, we started yesterday's episode with a moment of silence. <laughs> oh it's so good so real quick right off the bat uh two head coaches that maybe not maybe shouldn't be nfl head coaches at this point for both teams do you miss marvin lewis is it possible to say that oh man i have seen some people bring that up but you know it was time to try something new you know marvin would probably have this team with a couple wins right now but you knew what the upside was. He never had a terrible team, never coached a terrible team, but they, he always got them at least six, seven wins. But we knew the ceiling would be a wild card blowout, and that's not worth it. I'd rather roll the dice and try something new. So for me, no, I, I don't I don't wish Marvin was back or anything. I, I'm tired of six, seven, eight wins. I'm ready to try and build something for real. It's so interesting to see Marvin Lewis down the street at Arizona State coaching with Herm Edwards, right. but then but then you've got maybe we can name this game, this week five matchup between the Bengals and the Cardinals as the head coach that knew Sean McCoy or Sean McVay, that's how they got their jobs. Yeah, that uh, seems about right. I mean, there's <laughs> been no evidence so far that that uh, Zach Keller has been worthy of the job and for all the promise of a Ram-style offense, man, in Cincinnati, we have not seen it at all. Yeah, 27-3 loss on Monday Night Football. The Cardinals lose 27-10 to 10 
at home against the Seahawks. Back-to-back kind of disappointing performances from the Cardinals. Bengals, uh, you know, out of the gates, they they squared off solid against the Seahawks. Maybe looked like they were going to maybe be a little bit better than people thought they'd be this season, but have come back to earth. Uh, let's start to kind of get into this matchup. We look at a Cardinals offense going up a, against a Bengals defense. What should kind of instill maybe some fear into this Cardinals offense to think that they might not be able to get right against this Bengals defense? Man, normally I'd say the defensive line is the Bengals' strength of their entire team. Um, but they've been injured lately. They, they've missed Carl Lawson, who's maybe their best edge rusher. They've missed Ryan Glasgow, who is a nice rotational defensive tackle piece. Uh, Kerry Wynn, one of the guys they signed from the Giants in the offseason, has been out with a concussion. And you can see everyone starting to wear down just a little bit as this defense is out there, just a little too long as the offense sputters. Uh, so I would say normally that that's where their strength is. but. Overall, the defense has been poor. They've been easily manipulated, easily confused. They're a slow defense, especially up the middle and at at the linebacker position. So if you can run a lot of horizontal stuff, uh, spread them out and test them in coverage, I think that's where the Cardinals will have the most advantage. And Cardinals like to go empty a lot and get their running backs out there in space. So I think they will definitely continue that and try and uh, continue to spread the Bengals' defense and maybe the maybe the Bengals' D-line can take over a game. They haven't mm-hmm. yet. They almost did week one, and that's the reason why they're able to shut down the uh, Seattle offense for really most of the game. They should have won that game. But in the last three weeks now, they really have – they'll go three quarters without even appearing and then hopefully make a last-push effort at the end to try and get the game close. But they just haven't been as productive as we expected. Joe Goodberry, of course, locked on Bengals, joins us here on a crossover Wednesday, locked on Cardinals' Bo Brock. Alex Clancy, uh, Kyler Murray's been sacked a mind-boggling 20 times this season. He's on pace for 80 sacks. Quick, easy math for me to do there, but it, that's that's crazy to think about. Uh, we also saw James Carner kind of get right on Monday Night Football against this Bengals defense, catching the ball out of the backfield. It seems like that would be a good recipe for Kyler Murray and David Johnson to kind of get going in Week 5. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that offensive line, too, because when I watched a little bit of Murray against the uh, Ravens, it it seemed as though there were times he held on the ball a little bit too long or tried to make a play happen when it wasn't there. And I know the the Cardinals O-line has been a – maybe as bad as the Bengals for as long as it's been uh, the last three or four years for Cincinnati. And they've brought in some different pieces. The Bengals have it. Where are the Cardinals at on their O-line? Are, are you putting most of these sacks on uh, coverage on the offensive line or on a rookie quarterback that's really getting pressured much more than he did at Oklahoma? You know what, Joe, it's, and I don't know if Bo and I agree on this, so I'll let him answer. I'll take, I'll take half the time here. <laughs> I think what we saw at least this past Sunday against Seattle a lot of that was on Kyler Murray. And the first couple weeks, I don't know, I guess you could say it's from the offensive line. A lot of new parts, a lot of fill-ins. Justin Murray, I mean, they added a bunch of people over the last couple weeks to kind of fill holes. Marcus Gilbert is no longer there, even though they traded for him in the offseason. DJ Humphreys left tackle has been the, the bright spot, if there has been one. But Kyler Murray continues to think that he is playing against defensive ends and interior linemen who are going to you know, third-period biology on Monday to take a midterm and not NFL players. We saw a couple times on Sunday uh, when I was sitting in the press box, I'm like, man, he doesn't get it yet that these D linemen run sub-540s. They're not They're not these just big galoots that are wearing um, the uh, lineman jersey numbers because they're the biggest. 
These guys are quick on their feet, and he just hasn't figured it out completely yet. Now, having said that, it's not 100% on him. It's obviously on this offensive line that ranks lowest in the NFL seemingly every year over the last three or four seasons. Yeah, that makes sense then. Um, and if the Bengals, maybe that's a get-right game. Maybe that's a get-right opportunity for this defensive line because uh, we still like Carlos Dunlap. Geno Atkins is still should be on pace for a Pro Bowl year again this year. And Sam Hubbard has, has been an emerging player of his second year out of Ohio State, third round last year. And he's the other edge opposite of Dunlap. And he's really had the most splash plays out of everyone on the defensive line. He's still got rough around the edge, especially I think sometimes setting the edge actually in, in run defense. But uh, if those guys can have a good game, the Bengals like their secondary. They like William Jackson who's a first round pick. They like Drake or Patrick, even though he's a bit of a wild card every time he's out there, but Jesse Bates and Sean Williams are decent safeties. They like their coverage guys and BW Webb right now is their nickel. has got a cast on his forearm. So uh, he's a bit iffy. I would target him out of all everyone back there. So, my question is uh, for you guys, Is are the other receivers dangerous or is it still just Larry Fitzgerald in this offense? Yeah, unfortunately, Christian Kirk late in that game, garbage time against the Seattle Seahawks, suffered an ankle injury. Uh, we'll get an update later today from Cliff Kingsbury about the severity of that, but it looks like all signs are pointing to him not playing on Sunday, so that kind of thins out the receiver core even more. There are high expectations for Hakeem Butler, a fourth-round pick, he was lost in the preseason to a fractured hand. Michael Crabtree was here for a couple weeks. He was sent packing because, I guess, the realization that this is a bigger rebuild than they anticipated. They wanted to kind of go with the youth movement. That leaves it to Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella. Keyshawn Johnson, who's a six-round pick out of Fresno State, has been a pleasant surprise. But those, those two young guys are going to have to step up in the absence of Kirk. So it's pretty thin this week. We'll see how long that lasts for, but no, this is this is a Fitz unit. Uh, it continues to be, despite him being 36 years old, he continues to do it at a high level, just surpassed a guy in Tony Gonzalez in the record books and is only looking up at a guy named Jerry Rice. It continues to be Fitz, and unfortunately nobody else, or we're looking for somebody else uh, to step up behind number 11. Wait, Bo, what do you mean? They signed Farrell Cooper yesterday. Yeah, Farrell Cooper, more of a special teams guy, Demir Bird, also a guy who showed a little bit of rapport early on but kind of uh, disappeared the last couple weeks uh, with Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback on that, the best wide receiver the Arizona Cardinals have right now is David Johnson. We saw on Sunday eight catches for 99 yards. They are showing pretty definitively that David Johnson is going to be a wide receiver out of the backfield. And his numbers rushing, aside from week one, haven't been good. He had three touchdowns the first three weeks, uh, one of which was a one-yard one yard run, I believe, against Baltimore. He didn't have very many yards. That's, that's Salvage's day. But he had more targets than anybody on Sunday, including Larry Fitzgerald. And they're going to continue to utilize him in that way. And I don't know if it's because, like, humanistically speaking, if you're standing in the backfield and your quarterback is under center, you have a few extra steps to get momentum going north and south. If you have your quarterback that's standing directly next to you, you have to go from 0 to 60 as quickly as possible, and I don't think David Johnson has that giddy-up in his first couple steps to gain speed. I know it sounds stupid, but if he if they can use him in the passing game, then whatever, but he seems to be the number one receiver for the Cardinals at this point, ahead of Larry Fitzgerald. That's even. Yeah, that's... Uh... Not good news for Bengals fans because running backs and tight ends seem to kill the Bengals in coverage 
constantly for years. It's been an issue. Uh, I, I know the Cardinals brought in Max Williams and Charles Clay. Are either of those guys been weapons? Have they been successful signings or additions this year? No, they really haven't. Uh, I mean, we've seen Max Williams show up in the box score for at least one catch a game, but that's that's pretty much the extent of his impact. Uh, they are they are excited about Clay. They are excited about Williams as far as from a blocking standpoint, but as far as really any kind of down-the-field threat, any receiving threat, we haven't seen that from the tight end position. We really haven't seen it for a, a while. Ricky Seals-Jones had a couple flashes here and there, but he's in Cleveland now. But, no, it's it's pretty much the threats are still the usual suspects in Arizona. It's number 11 in Larry Fitzgerald. It's it's David Johnson. And watching Monday Night Football where Jalen Samuels and James Conner are racking up 16 catches between the two of them, uh, that's going to be a huge load for David Johnson to take on. But w- what is it that these these running backs are having success catching the ball out of the backfield against this Bengals defense. Oh, they're just, the linebackers are extremely slow. It's maybe the worst linebacker unit in the league. And it's been that way. They continue to add third round picks and, and into that group. And none of them seem to succeed at all. And uh, the latest one was Jermaine Pratt this year. He's taken about 25 snaps this year. So far the Bengals play really a three, four defense at this point. So it's really two inside linebackers. The edge guys aren't, aren't actual linebackers. Uh, and it's, Preston Brown and Nick Vigil. Preston Brown was let go from Buffalo two years ago because they wanted a cover guy, and they traded up in the first round to take uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the, the Bills did. And Nick Vigil, the other one for the, for the Bengals in his fourth year now, hasn't been able to stay healthy, never been a really good tackler. He's their most athletic guy, but he's not particularly fast or good in coverage. Last week at, or uh, uh, Monday night, I think he allowed eight catches on eight targets in his area. It's just what they do. They let they. They invite passes over the middle with a lot of cover two defense, and then their linebackers can't cover it. Joe Goodberry, at Joe Goodberry on Twitter, locked on Bengals, locked on Cardinals, Alex Clancy, Bob Rock, crossover Wednesday, locked on Podcast Network. Do, do, Joe, do you like this, uh, the five-minute, one-minute little blurbs we're doing for, for Google Home now? It's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it is. It's awesome. I think it's pretty cool. It should bring more listeners and viewers or you know, um, subscribers or whatever to us. Yeah, for those that don't know, if you have a Google Home, just say, hey, Google, play the Arizona Cardinals update. Play the Cincinnati Bengals update. You will hear Joe Goodberry for the Cincinnati Bengals if you're a Bengals fan. You will hear Bo Brock and myself, Alex Clancy, for the Cardinals fans out there. On the other side, we're going to continue crossover Wednesday. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Joe Goodberry. We'll be right back. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie, and when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway. 
all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Welcome back. Locked on Podcast Network Crossover Wednesday. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Locked on Cardinals. Joe Goodberry, Locked on Bengals. It's our turn to flip the script here. We're going to we're going to focus on the Cincinnati Bengals offense, Arizona Cardinals defense. First off, the grade that you would give Zach Taylor, first-year head coach for Cincinnati Bengals, through four weeks. It's a failing grade. I mean, it's an F. They're 0-4. Uh, the offense is averaging about 14 points per game. You're not going to win. I don't, how many games would you win if your team averaged 14 points on offense? Probably one, two, uh, maybe. Uh, I, I can answer this. A year. The Arizona okay. Cardinals <laughs> averaged 14 points per game last year and won three. Wow. I'm surprised they won three. And they <laughs> yeah, me too. The first Bengals fans. So um, we're on that path. We're on that track. And I think the hard part is, is the faith and hope of a new new head coach changing things and bringing new energy and fun. And the players were excited coming into the year and it got the fans excited. I think losing that has been the, the biggest loss they've, they've faced so far. Joe, John Ross looks like he's going to be out for a couple games, uh, injured Monday night football, just really surprising people by racking up the yardage receiving for the Bengals early on this year. It looks like it's going to be Tyler Boyd, but the biggest problem so far this season, it's been kind of a, a joke, a running joke, is the Cardinals' inability to cover the tight end. Tyler Eifert, I think fantasy owners want to know if they can continue to stream the opposing tight end against the Arizona Cardinals' defense, which has surrendered six touchdowns to the opposing tight end. What are your thoughts on that, Joe? Wow, that's amazing, six touchdowns. Um, I would say it's hard to predict which Bengals' tight end is going to get those looks, get those targets. They drafted someone in the second round, Drew Sample, that they were expecting to play a lot, but they also extended C.J. Uzama, who's been a very good number two tight end for them for the last five years. Uh, And then Tyler Eifert was brought back on a one-year deal. So they spent money and resources on the tight end position this year. And Zach Taylor in a Rams offense, they don't use the tight end much. And you see, like like last night's game, um, Eifert gets – two catches and he's fine in those two catches, but then the two red zone targets were just one's off his fingertips. One's a little bit out of his uh, reach and that's it for him for all game. And I didn't see a, a target to CJ Azama or Drew sample. So it's not typical over so, so far through four weeks that the targets are going all to Eifert in week one. It was, it was Uzama and Eifert got really some check down roles. Uh, they try to bring sample in as a blocker, but then the last couple of weeks they've been bringing them in in the fourth quarter. Like, okay, it's finally time to use them. I think there is uh, a potential game where drew sample plays much more and gets a lot more targets in this offense, especially, especially with John Ross being out now, which I think is a big hit for them because if you look over four weeks, 
Ross has touchdowns of 35, 55, and 65. And without those, this offense is the worst in the league probably because his explosiveness, his speed, you look at the rest of the receivers on this offense, they're running four sixes and four five fives. They they are slow. They're they're excruciatingly slow. And you have a bad O-line and Andy Dalton that likes to get the ball out quick. They are struggling. So without Ross, maybe we do see more two tight end sets or get creative and let Eifert go split out wide like he used to. See, Joe, I'm going to piggyback on that and ask you, Giovanni Bernard, at one point, a couple years ago, was one of the more electric scat backs in the league. And whenever Joe Mixon or the lead back would go out, he would come in and assume that role very nicely. If you have as few receivers as you do now healthy, why is he not getting David Johnson touches? Why is he not catching four, five, six balls out of the backfield every game to kind of keep this offense afloat? You're getting me fired up now because they just extended him also (laughs) right before the season started. So everyone's like, okay, they've got a plan. They actually want to use him because there was some thought that maybe they just lean on Joe Mixon, like a Todd Gurley type, you know, give him 350 touches in a year, really ride him. Uh, They haven't done that either. They are struggling to find ways to scheme guys open, ways to scheme guys the ball. And this is what we thought that guy was getting hired for. So it's extremely frustrating to watch them and realize that they've got two good running backs and Mixon can catch. He was one of the best receivers coming out that year out of Oklahoma. And they can't get him the ball in space at all. They don't. They can't even figure out a way to throw him the ball. They can't run a screen. They're going to be the worst screen team in the league right now because uh, they just can't operate one and get it completed. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I want to look, go back and look at these numbers. I bet you they're probably like 5 for 15 just in completions on screen passes, which is insane. Uh, they can't get the ball, ball to the back. And I, I think we'd all love to see that a little bit more and see if maybe part of it is holding up in cover or on the offensive line because they don't have a lot of deep developing routes on the outside. So defenders are sitting closer to the line and, and sitting on routes. And then if you're going to dump it down to your running back, well, then the defense has their eyes facing that way and they're quick to, to click and close on the running back and tackle them at the line of scrimmage. And there's, there's nothing there for them. So I think without Ross, that's really going to get tightened down even more. I, from the Bengals perspective, though, the old line has been terrible. That's probably the worst performance I saw Monday night in terms of pass protection in my lifetime. And uh, I know the Cardinals can get after the pass rusher. They signed Terrell Suggs, who made life t- hard for, for Bengals fans for a long time. How is Suggs doing? And, uh, you know, coming back home for him in Arizona, has, been, has he been that uh, key piece for you guys? It's kind of been hit and miss every other week. I mean, he he showed up, he had two sacks in his debut, kind of in his homecoming game, the season opener against the lions, uh, where they rallied back to a 27, 27 tie. But, and then last week he had a sack, but it's just been kind of like you would probably expect from a guy who's in his 17th season. You're going to get some, you know, shades of old T sizzle. And then you're going to see that him show his age a little bit. And, And this Cardinals pass rush has been there this season, whether it's Chandler, Chandler Jones, Cassius Marsh, Zach Allen, we'll see what he's how he's dealing with a shoulder injury, a rookie that they like. Um, they've been, they've been getting to the passer, but that hasn't shown to prove to be turnovers or getting quarterbacks off their spots. Guys like Kyle Allen tossed for four touchdowns against this defense. It, it just seems uh, that no matter how much pressure they get, and that they get a Pro Bowl caliber performance from a guy like Chandler Jones, it's not equaling pressure and in, in, in sacks and turnovers. They, they they have zero picks from the secondary this year. They just cut ties with DJ Swearinger, who's now been cut from two teams in the last two seasons. 
Uh, he's given he was given up a passer rating from opposing quarterbacks of 145 plus, which is absurd. Uh, it's kind of good to see him go. And guys like uh, Deontay Thompson and Jalen Thompson will take over safety duties. But man, it, 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 as much pressure as they've gotten, it hasn't equaled uh, it, as much maybe poor performance from the opposing QB. Yeah, I mean, and if Bengals, go ahead. I'm sorry there. I was just going to say, if Bengals fans haven't remembered, uh, the Cardinals are without Patrick Peterson. That's right. Two more games. Yeah. I mean, it's when you asked about Terrell Suggs, we knew that he was going to come in and be an all-pro. You know, I mean, he's towards the tail end of his career and uh, a little bit slower. And Bo said it's very up and down. He's put up actually pretty good numbers on paper. The 3-4 defense is tough. I mean, you got to be quick, especially with receivers coming across the middle, tight ends, et cetera. But having so many young guys and Deontay Thompson coming in and now taking over the role as as uh, as Bo talked about with DJ Swearinger gone, you need as much veteran leadership as you can get. And there aren't many much better than Terrell Suggs in the game right now. So I think it was a pretty inexpensive price to pay for. If you're not going to get the leadership from your coaching staff, which it seems through, through four games they haven't, at least to the point where they needed it, um, Terrell Suggs definitely is worth his weight in gold for that aspect, even if he has lost a step on the field. I see. Uh, one of the targets all Bengals fans, I shouldn't say all, but most Bengals fans had in free agency was linebacker Jordan Hicks. And our biggest concern was that he couldn't stay healthy. So has he stayed healthy, and how has he played for you guys? Yeah, he was dealing with that groin issue after week one. It really hasn't shown to affect him too too much going forward. He continues, it seems like every game he's leading the team in tackles. Uh, does he have anything to do with the tight end issue? No, I think that was more on the in the back end of that secondary. Uh, no, I mean, Jordan Hicks has been, has been a great addition to this team. Uh, that's really the only part from this offseason, aside from Steve Kime making the decision to move forward off of Josh Rosen to Kyler Murray in the draft, uh, that, that's been a positive that's come from the 2019 offseason that, that you can say, hey, I, I see that. I see why they gave him all that money. I see why uh, they brought him in, um, and he can be a building block moving forward with this Cardinals organization. I, th- I think that you can't really say anything negative about it, and he has played through a couple uh, Knicks. And, yeah, Jordan Hicks, I think a lot of Cardinals fans would say that they're they're very pleased with his performance early on in the 2019 season. I mean, agreed. And it, it – this is one of the more overblown stats in sports, especially on the defensive side, but he's leading the NFL in tackles. I mean, I guess that that is, it's better to be doing that than not to be doing that. You know, I mean, and who the hell knows? This could all be, these could be defensive rebounds off missed free throws. Like Dwight Howard used to always pad his stats from, uh, you know, missed free throws from defensive rebounds. It is kind of the same thing. You know, a 25 yarder. okay, somebody has to tackle him. So it could be sure. Jordan Hicks, you know what I mean, go in the middle of the field. I say it somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but sure. he has definitely – it's better than Hassan Reddick and the other linebackers the Cardinals have dealt with over the last couple seasons, for yeah. sure. And they didn't pay him C.J. Mosley money. No, it wasn't right. absurd. I thought I thought it was a very fair contract. I, I loved the move at the time. I, I still like the move. It's a crossover Wednesday, locked on Cardinals, locked on Bengals, Joe Goodberry, Bo Brock, Alex Clancy – Joe, let me ask you this. I mean, we're pretty skeptical at this point as these teams are winless entering week five. We talked about the offense, but what would a good, what would a maybe a, a get good performance look like in your opinion? What, what This offense in a perfect world, how would they look on Sunday against this Cardinals defense that has struggled mightily? 
Yeah, so the Cardinals' defense has been bad, but the Bengals' offense has been really poor, and we thought that's what would carry this team in 2019. Uh, week one, they couldn't run the ball, so they just said, you know, we'll throw it 58 times this week. And then week two, the game got away from them so quickly, they got dominated by the 49ers, that they threw the ball all game again. Uh, and then they finally got the run game going a little bit versus Buffalo. And then last night was just a complete um debacle versus the the Steelers and I don't even know what the offensive identity is right now so to say what would be a good game it would be establish anything whether that be um, a rhythm in in the passing game convert some first downs because it feels like they haven't been able to do that in three weeks Uh, they're in third and long every time to get the third down Uh, I would love to see the run game come alive and whether that is just you know, we're going to do it. We're going to stick with it. We're going to fix the run game at the very least right now, since we're down two of our top wide receivers in AJ Green and John Ross. And let's say, um, all right, Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, we're going to lean on you guys because that's where our talent and depth is right now. So I think any Bengal fan would take that uh, as a win if they could just establish something, whether that be the run game or some semblance of an understanding of how to get guys open in the passing game. Preach! Keep going! I mean, you, you, if you asked us that question, we'd say the exact same thing to you. Play better football. That's pretty much it. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, locked on Cardinals. Joe Goodberry, locked on Bengals. Dude, it's been a pleasure, man. I, you know what? I don't know, and honestly, this isn't a negative Nelly way to look at this. Whoever wins this game really loses. Yeah. I mean, is that, I, I mean, that's agree. fair to say it's a little too early in the season, but it's not a little too early in the season to say I, that. I don't know. I, I kind of disagree. I think that the Cardinals kind of have more to lose with a loss. I, I think that they, the momentum and the goodwill that they created with their fan base with a couple moral victories early in the season with the tie and the loss on the road at Baltimore, if they go in and they have a third straight disappointing uh, uh, performance, I think that this team, this fan base is going to sour even more so on the experiment that is Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. Zach Taylor could be, I mean, it's clear which direction that the Bengals are going and that they could be eyeing a top five pick. And, and the Cardinals, absolutely, the reality is they're going to be there as well. But if they don't pick up some W's and show some development, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of disappointment. And this, a loss would go a lot further uh, with the Cardinals than it would with the Bengals. Yeah, there's a few games on the schedule Bengals fans are already looking at and saying, I think I'd rather lose those games just to get up there and get you know yourself in position to draft a quarterback, whether they take one or not, we'll have to see because it's the Bengals. But uh, <laughs> this Cardinals game and then the Dolphins week 16, I think fans are starting to eye the schedule and say, all right, these are winnable games, but should we win them? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because <laughs> from people from experience, let me let me talk to you. Last year, there had to be so many, so many things had to happen for the Cardinals to get the number one pick. It's unbelievable. Like the Raiders won a game late, San Francisco won a couple games that they had no business winning. The Cardinals were solidifying themselves with like the number three spot. It's like cool, you know, you get Quinn and Williams, awesome, not a big deal. Oh yeah, they probably would have got Kyler Murray there uh, in hindsight. Right. But so many things had to happen for them to jump up and get that number one pick. That uh. Yeah, I mean, just because you lose the majority of the games doesn't mean that two isn't going to get you there. So we've been negative and and things have actually filled up anyways. And that's the hard part about it is it's only four weeks in and on paper the Bengals have an easy schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if they still found a way to win four or five games this year and, you know, picking the six, seven, eight slot, which is 
not ideal for, I think, where they are, and they need that energy of that jump start, that reset, if you will. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Joe Goodberry. It's been a solemn Locked On Podcast Network crossover Wednesday, but it can't get any worse, or so we think. Thanks, Joe. We really appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. More from Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Thursday, Locked On Cardinals. We'll check you guys then. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020 and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.